Our top five winners from the Vikings preseason, plus the Twins' biggest X factor down the stretch. It's all coming up on Superior Sports Talk. Carol 11 sports anchor Reggie Wilson covers the Twin City sports scene nonstop. Luke Inman is ready to put him on the hot seat. That's what you're going to do to me. Instant analysis. Yanked. Out you go. Post-game breakdowns and red-hot takes. The Timberwolves need a stitch. Reggie and Luke give you a daily dose of Minnesota sports with Superior Sports Talk, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota. And it starts now. Back in the lab, Reggie and Luke back at it. Another episode, Superior Sports Talk, presented by Locked On Sports Minnesota. Your daily 30-minute breakdown of everything Minnesota sports. That's Reggie Wilson on Twitter, at Reggie Wilson TV, and on CARE 11. Reggie just celebrated his 21st birthday. I trust you had a wonderful time. Great to get you back on the active roster and in the lineup. We missed you, man. I appreciate it. Uh, feeling another year wiser. Mm -hmm. And I hear that there was a football game over the weekend, I think. Ye I think. Yes, sir. You're not wrong yeah. about that. Remember, first, okay. before we get to that, follow along, Locked On Minnesota YouTube channel. Hit the subscribe button and on Twitter, give us a follow at Locked On M-I-N. And remember, we're a podcast too, free and available, all platforms, Spotify, Apple, you name it, we got it. A plethora of choices over there, by the way. Ron Johnson Show, The Football Party, your one-stop shop for endless Vikings talk with local experts. Subscribe, drop us a five-star review, take us everywhere on the go so you never miss any of the action. All right, you're right, Reggie. To football we go, 16 days until week one of the NFL season kicks off. The Vikes played their second preseason game at the bank versus the Niners. They end up losing 17-7, KO era starts 0-2, but it's preseason, right? We're not worried. In fact, plenty of positives to glean from these two games collectively. So today, we're busting out our top five lists and the biggest winners from the Vikings through the first two preseason games. Now, Reg, obviously not a lot of starters played here, so kind of a great mm -hmm. chance to highlight some of the second and third team guys who've been making plays when given opportunities out there on the field. I'll kick things off. Starting at number five, rookie, running back, Ty Chandler. Listen, scored the team's only TD Saturday. He averaged 10 yards per carry versus the Raiders. Most impressive about him, though, I think is that straight line speed that you see mm -hmm. and his ability to look natural catching out of the backfield. Something I think that he's got a real edge on guys like Ken A, Madison, and even Dalvin Cook at times. So he could get a run as third down back in that kind of Alvin Kamara role. Without a doubt, though, no question, he's making this 53-man roster. Number five, who you got? Number five, I'm going to go with Caleb Evans. Number mm -hmm. one, because he's a Mizzou guy, okay? You know, we got to stick bias. together. Okay, Smart okay, guy, fair enough. You know, yeah, I'll give you one. Okay. Um, <laughs> also, you know, really trying to endear himself to uh, Minnesotans and Vikings fans with how well he's just engaging with, with the fans online. But also, I mean, they didn't just, you know, draft him to be a cheerleader. You know, this was mm -hmm. one of Kwesi's favorite guys uh, in the draft. If you go back to... You know, some draft of the things crush. that he said. Yep. Yeah, big draft crush. And uh, he came out, first possession of the game, came out, made a big play on fourth down. That's what you mm. like to see from the rookie. You know, he plays with a lot of energy. I think they expect a lot of good things from him. Maybe not, you know, to be like a tier one, tier two starter, you know, right away during the season. But I think they expect him to be able to work himself up and work his way up to – uh, a, a rotational role and and really kind of shine. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he continues to do and how he continues to grow and acclimate himself to the pro game. 
Glad you brought him up. In my honorable mentions, played 99% of the snaps on Saturday. And people are going to say, well, yeah, because Andrew Booth Jr. went down early. Well, no, he was on Mm -hmm. the field even before Andrew Booth Jr. went out. He He went out, he came out, and they said he started. So um, obviously critical depth probably going to be needed. We're not sure exactly what's going on with Booth Jr. Sounds like an ankle. Hopefully, you know, maybe worst case four to six weeks kind of thing. But Caleb Evans, certainly now is the time to uh, step up into a bigger role here and see what he's got. But certainly early signs, though, you're right. I'm glad you mentioned him. Good things out of that fourth round pick. Number four for me, Brian Asamoah. Absolute Mm. bulldog. He's just been flying around like a midnight train. Not perfect yet by any means. Classic rookie learning curve going on right now, but tends to get caught maybe being almost too aggressive at times there. But just from a pure physical tool skill set, this guy's a speed demon, packs a serious punch, had a great tackle for loss versus the Raiders in the red zone. And versus the mm-hmm. Niners, just had another solid game, good read and react processing skills. And I think once he understands where the play's going, he just pins his ears back, drives that foot in the ground, and just flies to the ball, man. Another nice find for Quasi in the third round with this kid, who's probably going to see a lot of time in that nickel sub-package role. And I think he leapfrogs Troy Dye here soon and takes over that third linebacker spot. And and I think we see him on the field early and often in this 2022 season. Number four, who you got? Yeah, that was an interesting um, thing from you with, with Asamoah, especially with the 2-4-5 thing that they got going that we've seen right. him employ yeah, a little bit. Base. So, yeah, mm-hmm. So he mm-hmm. may get a chance to see the field a little bit more. Um, as you said, I mean, I won't give too much away. Spoiler alert, he might be on my list too. Uh, Number four, though, for me is Ty Chandler. For everything that you said, the dude is just coming out, playing with with an edge, like his hair is on fire. Really like seeing what he's done uh, up until this point. He's made an impact and really... He's trying to he's trying to mess around and play himself into uh, the rotation. We know it's going to be tough, especially looking at how the running backs were employed last year. And I know this is a new scheme and a new coaching staff, but I mean, there's only one ball, you know, only so much rock to go around. And so you got Cook and Madison doing the the heavy lifting, and then now you're trying to figure out a way to get Kane involved. But then, you know, if it's not just like kick return or something like that, and you do see value in playing a guy like Ty Chandler as a, a rookie, um, they're going to try to find a way to get the ball in his hands as well. And that is nothing but a luxury for this offense. Perfect word, luxury. Given the depth chart, I didn't think they would draft a running back in Kwesi's first year as GM, but mm-hmm. I think everybody gets it now. Chandler, the kid can just play. And, and I see a, a nice path for playing time, at least 2023 with Madison becoming a free agent next year. Number three for me on my list, Patrick Jones. No Hunter, mm. no Zadarius starting in these preseason games. So it's been the DJ Wanham and Patrick Jones show flying off the edge, creating a lot of pressure for this defense. Now, Wanham, we know what he can do. Led the team last year in sacks with eight. But remember, Jones was a, a huge wild card heading into this year. One of those third-round picks, we didn't see a lick of him last year under Zim. But you're starting to really see why he was drafted so early. He's starting to really hone his pass rushing skills and become a complete player in both the run game and getting after the passer. Just another young talent here to continue to mold behind the scenes buried as kind of like the number four edge guy but if z or hunter were to ever miss some time it's just nice to know we got these two young guys ready to step up in their place and soak up some valuable reps as a young player number three who you got on the list 
Number three for me is Brian Asamoah. For all the reasons that you said, you keep beating me to the punch with all these guys. <laughs> Stop it, Luke. Stop it. Cut it out. No, Happy but, birthday, Reg. The, I got you. Thank you. Appreciate that. So the dude is electric, man. I think he is a, a guy that we may look back and say, oh, man, he was a steal. You know, maybe we're looking at him as the, the heir apparent, which, look, Please understand, I'm not saying that there's any type of drop-off right now in play or anything like that. But looking down the line, we could see a guy that we say is the heir apparent to Eric Kendricks. Eric Kendricks, mm -hmm. that's that's a really, like, high-praise thing to say as well because Kendricks is a baller. You know, I watched him last year, a couple of those one-handed interceptions, and he's just flying around the field. He still can run sideline to sideline. I think he's going to have a – a major season this year, but you bring in a guy like Asamoah to either spell him or, you know, in, in some of those sub packages to allow him and Kendricks and Hicks on the field at the same time. And watch out, man. That's just that's just a lot of speed on the field. That's a lot of, of production potential on the field as well. And I think he's just continue to play himself into a possible rotation. And like we said earlier with the 2-4-5 thing, you know, that that's an opportunity for him to to get on the field. Yeah, on my list of concerns heading into the season, this is absolutely buried at the bottom of the list, so I don't want to make it a huge mm -hmm. deal. But something we never talk about is just assuming that all these core pieces will transition to this 4-3 system that they've been used to under Zim for the last eight years to this new Ed Donatel 3-4 system. And guys like Eric Kendricks, Harrison Smith, Daniil Hunter, maybe it takes a little bit longer to transition and maybe it doesn't highlight their skill sets like the 4-3 did. We'll see. And at the end of the day, I think why a lot of people don't bring that up or not concerned because if you're good, you're good. I mean, if you're elite, you're elite. They're still going to go out there and make plays, but maybe there is a little transition period here from some of those guys just so used to playing in that 4-3 system as they kind of transition to this 3-4 system. Love it. Number two for me, I said this was a time to kind of highlight the second and third team guys. I'm sorry. I have to mention this guy, though. He did start Ed Engram. My goodness, yeah. Reg. Jesse Davis out, Chris Reed out, but I don't think it would have mattered, to be honest. Ed Engram has... Outplayed mm -hmm. everyone around him all camp. He's earned the starting right guard spot with how he's played. Just out there bullying dudes versus the 49ers. The Vikings lone TD, Ty Chandler, run at the goal line. You just saw his power and strength just bulldozing, moving some big guys, this defensive tackle on the interior, and opening room for the ball carrier. He started at LSU as an 18-year-old. 18 at LSU. Not Jackson Jeez. State or like a D2 school. LSU at 18. So the lights aren't too bright for him. He's used to it. And what did I say, Reg? Uh, you don't draft a guard in the second round unless you absolutely love him. Vikings, we found out why they loved him. My bold prediction, he would start week one and never look back. And uh, right now, he's mm -hmm. making me look smart right now. One, a rare win right now in the Luke Spinman column. Another hit by Kwesi, though, man. What a draft from him just from these early impressions we've seen so far. Number two on your list, who you got? Yeah, to your point there, we may look back at this draft, his first ever draft with the Vikings, and say like, dang, man, what a transformative draft he mm -hmm. had. Guys like Seen, Ingram, Evans, you know, Booth. Booth, like you're, yeah. Asamoah, you're just like, dang, man, like the, the first three rounds, he was out here doing the daggone thing. And, mm -hmm. you know, it came with so much grief because he traded back 20 spots on draft night. But we may look back and say, oh, well, uh, maybe he did know what he was doing. And it's funny because, like, the early returns 
on him as opposed to uh, the guy in Chicago who apparently they were like, you know, flip floppy as far as like who was going to get the GM job for either job, like the Chicago Bears swooped in and and got polls before the Vikings could, or however you want to believe. Um, the Vikings will say that Kwesi was their guy all the way, which I, I mm-hmm. do believe that. Um, but but now, you know, you look at what the Bears are doing as opposed to what the Vikings are doing, and it's totally different. One team is trying to rebuild. The other team is doing the competitive rebuild, as, you know, we've learned from Kwesi, mm-hmm. whatever he, that means that he said um, a few months ago. But what we're seeing is um, – early returns looking pretty good. And that transitions me to my number two, which is also for me, Ed Ingram as well. You talk about a Mm. guy who, you know, throughout camp and all that. I didn't even know, honestly, just being real. I didn't even know who Jesse Davis was. But then Mm -hmm. all of a sudden I'm like, I think that's fair. I'm not going to knock it. Yeah. 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 And all of a sudden I'm like, oh, oh, he's RG1. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. That Okay. That uh, All right fine like he's not he wasn't even someone I even had on the radar you know we're talking about all these other guys that may battle with Ingram for that spot and then over the last couple weeks what have we seen Ingram just come out there mauling guys just you know running over guys and look there was the knock on him for character concerns but like as far as a talent concern I remember uh Lewis Riddick doing kind of like a draft Um, evaluation of him on Twitter and I trust any and everything that Lewis Riddick says about anything football like I just think that he's just an absolute stud of a football mind and he just couldn't stop he's awesome yeah Mm -hmm. he he couldn't stop praising Ed Ingram and so what we're seeing is everything that you know we've heard from all the the draft pundits and all the football minds that know what they're talking about they knew that Ingram was a first round talent that just fell down because of character concerns. And now we're kind of seeing it. He's just battled his way up to RG one. And I think he'll probably end up being the starting right guard come week one against the Packers. I absolutely love it. Uh, my number one player for the Vikings preseason defensive tackle T Y McGill. Yeah. What? Playoffs. Yeah. Reggie, <laughs> number one guy of the whole 90-man roster, 85-man roster, T.Y. McGill? Not going to lie. Like you said with Jesse Davis, didn't know much about him. Total journeyman, ninth team in the league. Felt just like a camp body, but when they got to game action, he's just been unstoppable, man. Yeah, he's going against some second and third teamers, but still, even given that, I don't care. Look at these stats. Two games, Rich, 47 snaps. Not a lot. Three and a half sacks, three tackles for loss, and six quarterback <laughs> hicks. Uh, unbelievable production on the field thus far. And the most impressive of the bunch for me, I got to imagine he's earned a spot on this roster in some way, shape, or form after this preseason performance. Number one on the list, who you got? Same, man. Same. I am just a fan, dude. You know, I like I like underdog stories. I like guys who just come out, you know, put their head down and and do their job. And it can't be easy. Nine team in eight seasons. Who knew he's been around for that long? Like, I hadn't even heard of the guy. And he's making plays. And they're like, yeah, yeah, he's in his eighth season. And I'm like, excuse me? What? Like, where did this dude come from? Like, but he's out there balling and making plays. And on a line that has some question marks as far as depth goes, um, and some guys who are are unproven on in certain spots. And I guess everybody is pretty much unproven 
uh, when it comes to this defensive scheme because it's the first year for it here after mm-hmm. several years uh, in the 4-3, as you mentioned earlier. It would be nice to just have a guy who seems to just be a productive dude. He can go out there, get you some meaningful snaps, and and make an impact on that defensive line. And I agree with you. I don't understand how, after final cuts, McGill doesn't make this team because he's shown in two games of action preseason, I understand, yeah, but also in practice. Like, the dude has just been impressive. And I don't see how you let this guy – if you let him go, he's going to find a, a new team. You know, I guess it'll be its 10th team yeah. in eight seasons. But I think he'll find his way onto the roster of some team in the league if the Vikings don't do it. Yeah, so many young guys going on on this roster, especially on defense, but offense as well. Nice to have a couple vets that have been around and, and have a good balance mm-hmm. there, a good mix of vets – who know what they're talking about, have been in the league, seen it all, and then the young guys as well as they try to, uh, you know, kind of just find their footing in the NFL these first few years. I love it. We want to know from you who you think's been balling out during these Vikings preseason games. Go comment on the YouTube channel. Let us know what you think. 16 days until week one of the NFL season. Rest assured, Sam Ekstrom and Ron Johnson got you covered on the Ron Johnson Show, and Reggie and I got you covered every step of the way, every day, all part of Locked On Sports Minnesota, which, by the way, you can now find streaming on your Roku device, so be sure to look out for our Locked On Sports Minnesota app there as well. Pretty cool. Coming up, we're talking the biggest X factor for the Twins down the stretch, but first, remember to use BetOnline, BetOnline.net. It's the fastest and easiest way to check in on all the latest lines and future bets and more. Find all your favorite sports and events with BetOnline, the number one source for all your betting needs, stats, news, and info. BetOnline makes betting easy go to betonline.net today to learn more that's betonline.net where the game starts all right to baseball we go haven't talked twinkies with you in a few days reg and honestly uh, not a a lot of great news as of late twins dropped their last two versus the rangers losing last night's seven rip they need a win today to split this four game series as it sits today twins just one and a half games back from cleveland here's my question i'm going to pose to you here reg if the twins are gonna go win this thing and get hot down at crunch time who or what i should say needs to be the x factor the catalyst here a specific bat in the lineup starting or relief pitchers, middle relievers, a coaching move maybe, etc. Who or what do they need to turn it on as we get down the stretch here during crunch time? All right, so I'm looking here at stats. You ready? For mm, one, I don't know. Carlos up. Correa. Mm. Okay. Carlos Correa. Mm-hmm. 266 batting average, right. 14 right. home runs, 39 RBI this season all right so the last seven last seven days Correa four hits 22 at bats no RBI one run and that's six games in that seven day span dude they signed him yeah go ahead yeah they signed him to a 35 million dollar deal that's not getting it done, man. He finished <laughs> fifth in MVP voting last season. Yeah, I don't get it. He had 92 RBI, 26 home runs. Signs the the big deal here with the Twins, and everybody's like, oh, man, is he going to stay? 
Is he going like with this type of production? They didn't sign him for this type of stuff, you know, mm-hmm. like they signed him to be a difference maker, to be an impact player. And look, he's a respected veteran in that clubhouse. He's a leader. We understand that. But everything was talked about his championship pedigree and how, you know, this team has higher expectations and he was going to be the guy to galvanize them and lead the effort. And maybe he's doing that from a confidence standpoint, just, you know, trying to talk the team through, you know, these slumps and and some of these bad performances. But you look at this at, at this stat line from him and when you're talking about a guy who, you know, walks with a big stick, you know, leads by example, he's not doing that right now. And with the Twins being in this this race for the division and then a fleeting, a fleeting wild card spot, like, that's not getting it done, Luke. Like, mm. they need him. I'm looking at the, the divisional standings right now. They're a game and a half back of Cleveland. Two and a half games, um, Chicago from the lead. So they have a game over them. But these last couple losses, man, they do not inspire confidence. And they had a great opportunity to win the series against a team who was kind of like flailing a little bit. You know, the Rangers just got rid of their manager and their GM. And, you know, they're, they're, they're underachieving with all that they have done uh, prior to this season to get things over the hump for them. They haven't been much of a good team over the last few years. Like, if you are deciding that you are going to be a team that is challenging for not only a playoff spot, but a chance to go deep into the postseason, you need the bats to be a little bit more consistent than they've been. And you can't lose a game seven to nothing when you're in the mist in the, the fiery heat of a playoff race, dude, like that just cannot happen. And, and it just, it just can't happen. So they got another one tonight. They got to win this one. Like, it's it's in must-win territory for all the rest of these games, and Carlos Correa is going to have to lead that charge. Yeah, so many of these games, when they go lose two or three against teams that they really shouldn't be losing, we say, still a lot of baseball left. Baseball's a grind, you know, it's a marathon, not a sprint. I think you're right, man. These are all do or die now. We're getting there. I mean, this is serious crunch time here down the stretch. All these games are so pivotal and so important. And back to Carlos Correa just for a second. I can deal with the 266 average. All right, don't love mm-hmm. it, but it is what it is. And even the home runs aren't, aren't on, on pace like they were last year. But 39 RBIs when you're batting number three in the lineup all season. Yeah, he's batted number two, number four here or there. But 39 RBIs, he had, what, 96, 94 last year? That is just not doing it, man. And these bats, it, it's just, mm-hmm. it's kind of been unfathomable, not just Correa, but I know they say averages don't matter as much anymore, but my goodness, Byron Buxton, 222. How many nights in a row do you look at the box score and it's 0 for 4, 0 for 5? 
and then he'll have that three for five game. It's not but good, it's man. Like just so inconsistent, man. Max Kepler, 226 average. He went for 0 for 30 here over these last 10, 15 games. Jorge Polanco used to be a core piece of your foundation, batting 237. This is the heart of your lineup we're talking about. And the timely hitting has been nowhere to be found. Runners left on base, runners in scoring position. That really separates the good teams from the bad teams, at least offensively. You know, it's honestly amazing how the Twins have managed to win so many games despite such poor timely hitting that kind of leads into this last question i should say if the twins were to mm -hmm. miss the playoffs and nothing's changed same team same performances same pace etc what would be the biggest reason for criticism or focus going into the offseason for improvement for me bats got to be number one but i think rocco's coaching and management moves with his pitching staff specifically pulling the starters so early for me that's got to be discussed somewhere in there as well but bats clearly number one what about for you yeah I shudder to put too much blame on Rocco because I think he was just trying to do what he thought was best. What's tough is when you do pull the starters early and then the bullpen is just atrocious, then that's when you just don't look the best. Mm -hmm. But I think what's tough is he was trying to preserve his starting arms because he was having guys, you know, especially earlier this season who had some injury history. Paddock, who ended up, you know, getting lost for the season with a, a, a terrible, you know, arm injury. You had Bundy coming back from injury. You had uh, Archer coming back from injury. So he's, you know, letting those guys go four innings, five innings, you know, trying to preserve them over the long haul of the season because he knew that he was going to have to ride those arms as the season went along. And, you know, you look at tonight, Sonny Gray, seven and three, uh, 311 ERA, like, Wonderful bright spot for this team and the, the starting pitching. But I think when you look back at this season and you talk about what probably disappoints you the most if they don't make it to where they want to go, which is the playoffs, you got to look at that bullpen. And them, the, the front office or, or the team in general, just kind of dragging their feet when this team was very literally bleeding, mm -hmm. like bleeding. So many blown games. You know what? They saw the Vikings last season and decided that they wanted to let them off the hook. You know, they were like, you know what? You guys lost so many of these one possession games. You know, so many of these come come from behind victories from these teams last season. Let, 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 let's take the focus off of you guys. You guys got a new coach. You don't need to worry about that. Look at us. We know how to blow some things up. And time and time again, the bullpen came in. You're just like, oh, my gosh. <sighs> Here we go. And then you see the bullpen just in real time. It's like it just happened in slow motion. The thing just slowly just derailed off the tracks. And there were so many games that could have been won. Like th this Twins team is supposed to be like 20 games over 500 right now. And so many of these games were blown by this bullpen that you just – you want to pull your hair out. And I think you look at some of those games, especially against some of these teams that they've lost to, that they had no business losing to if they were trying to be the team that they want to be this season. And that's what kind of keeps you up at night. That's what, you know, you, you got to put some conditioner in your hair because it's just frizzed up. You know, it's 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 ready to be pulled out. You're, you're combing your hair and it's just coming. You're, you're pulling the, the hair out of the comb. It's just like this. Look what this season brought me to. 
because of this bullpen, these arms. And it's like you love the moves that they that they did do at the deadline, but it was like, was it too little too late? You know, like at the end of the day, yeah, the bats should have done a little bit more, should have had better production, especially because you looked at the bats as a strength of this team and they've just kind of gone cold and, and, you know, gone lost, put them on the side of a milk carton. I don't even know if they do that anymore, but, you know, put them on the side of a milk carton because you're just like, dang, where where did they go? Hello, Carlos Correct, Max Kepler, hello, where are you guys at? Hello? What's, what's up? What, what are we doing? Where'd they go? We need to put out an Amber Alert on these guys. What's what's happening? But I think if you look at it in a vacuum, I think the arms of the bullpen failed them a little bit more than, than some of the bats have done. Twins try for a four-game split tonight with the Rangers. Sonny Gray on the mound. First pitch, 6-10 p.m. Central Standard Time. You're right, Reg. Every game now as we get down to crunch time, just so pivotal, and Twins really need to start taking advantage of these home games while they still can and still got a few left in the bag here. All right, time has come. Mm -hmm. My new favorite segment called Give Me One. I'm going to throw out a Viking topic to Reggie, and he's going to give me one response with a quick 30-second explanation. Let's jump right into it here. Give me one hot take from the San Francisco 49ers preseason game. One hot take? Give me one. One hot take. So one hot take, and it's not so hot considering what we now know, but uh, I think one hot take from um, this game is the quarterback behind mm. Kirk Cousins may not be on the roster. Yeah, yeah. That's one yeah. hot take. But, yeah. but according to Tom Pelissero this morning, the Vikings have traded for Nick Mullins. They saw him in that first preseason game. Uh, says the Raiders are sending quarterback Nick Mullins to the Vikings for a conditional seventh-round pick in 2024. That's via Tom Pelissero this wow, morning. Wow, breaking backup for news. Kirk Cousins. So, Whoa. look, Mullins has started games in this league. You know, mm -hmm. I guess you, you can say so, so is Sean Mannion. But, you know, I, I think Mullins has played productively. You know, you look back at some of those games that he had um, with the 49ers, and he's a competent quarterback, got some moxie. He can mm -hmm. play. And I think if you're, you know, looking at Kirk Cousins and, you know, maybe getting COVID for a fourth time or something or, you know, some type yep. of – goofy injury, nagging injury happens, and maybe he has to miss a game or two. I think you can go out there with Nick Mullins and feel confident that maybe you can steal one. You know, this schedule is going to be tough this season, but, you know, I do think that he is competent enough, and he has run this style of offense before so that you can put him out there and, and be confident. I think from what you saw from Kellen Mond, and what you saw from Sean Mannion in that first half, I don't know that you are very confident in what those guys could do behind Kirk Cousins. So I think my one hot take is maybe the quarterback of this future behind Kirk Cousins is maybe not on the roster come yeah. week one. No, I, I, I like that. And I remember watching Mullins playing with Shanahan for the 49ers in preseason. I think it was two years ago. He's still a young kid here. I, mm -hmm. I was impressed, man, for just a second or third stringer coming in. He was marching down the field up and down. I think it's a good move yeah. all in all. Mullins, he's a, he's competent, and he doesn't cost much either. He's only going to cost right. 1.4 against the cap. I think it's fair to criticize Kwesi for not finding a better quarterback, too, in the first place. He teamed up with KOC and said, you know what? 
I think we want to go with the proven vet in Mannion and then the young guy that we can develop in Kellen Mond. Mm -hmm. Like we talked about a good balance there, a good mix. And to throw in a conditional seventh round pick, not even next year, but in 2024, again, the cap, it's only 1.4. I like it, man. I think they needed to do something. I think there's just such a contrast between this old wily, crafty vet that's so limited and that you don't really trust to go out and win you a game if Kirk Cousins goes out. And then Kellen Mond just... He's just not there yet. I, I think this is still mm -hmm. kind of on schedule to what we thought we were going to get with Mond. Remember, last year was a COVID year for Mond anyways. Kind of scratch that up and call it this is his rookie year. So he's nowhere near ready, but he could be someday. Long way to go, though. Can't throw him in yet. Nick Mullins, maybe a little good happy medium between the two. All right. Yeah. That's a wrap today. Uh, ran out of time here. Back tomorrow, breaking down more Twins, Vikings, plenty more. Remember, like, rate, review, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. And join us every day for another episode with your 30-minute breakdown of everything Minnesota sports. We're a podcast to free and available all platforms. Subscribe, drop us that five-star review, and take us everywhere on the go. He's Reggie Wilson. Follow him on Twitter at ReggieWilsonTV and on CARE11. I'm Luke Inman on Twitter at Luke underscore Spinman. Special thanks to our producer, Matt DeBritz. Tune in tomorrow to Superior Sports Talk, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota. For Reggie, I'm Luke. Until tomorrow, signing out. Be blessed. Spread love this week.